The year is 2003. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Salitz. And this is My Marvelous Year. To my Cerebus Year, the only comic book podcast where we go through the entirety of Dave Sims' Cerebus from issue one to three hundred. I'm Zach, and I just started reading Cerebus. I'm oh, joined no. by Dave and Charlotte, and they don't know about this, but uh, this is new. Yeah, this is uh, this is what we're talking about now. I just read the first handful of issues of this comic, and, uh, and I want to talk about it on this podcast more than I want to talk about Mystique, Runaways, Wolverine, and Emma Frost. So, welcome to the show, everybody. Dave, so you are just you are just in a full fledged state of nostalgia here for '90s nostalgia, going back to Cerebus and '90s. '70s, wrestling. my man. Uh, he started. Did Cerebus like start in the '70s? '78, yeah. Holy yeah. moly! Yeah, it's okay. wild. Uh, how are you like? So I've never read a single lick of Dave Sim Cerebus. It's probably the most acclaimed comic that is the least likely to get picked up. <laughs> by new folks yeah. right because yeah, it's yeah. like everyone's well, like yeah point. it was incredible for 100 issues and then <laughs> right, the creator yeah. lost their mind and just started writing screeds against women right yep, i mean exactly. isn't that the general yeah. arc of this but it yeah, takes yeah. like 100 plus issues yeah at the beginning it's happen. very much just like this is a sword and sorcery parody like not even like it's kind of parody but it's not it's a little bit too much like just doing it uh, to be totally parody. It's just that there's a silly animal in the center. It's kind of like Usagi Yojimbo. Um, anyway, I was just curious. I, I think at some point, I'll, I'm sure at some point, I will drop it. Uh, there's no way I'm making 300 issues. But it's a huge, uh, you know, there was this huge deal in comics. I'm, uh, I'm reading a little bit. It's kind of, it's kind of entertaining. Okay, so today, instead of My Marvelous Year being the podcast reading club, we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today... And today was going to be 2003 Part 4. We were mm-hmm. going to talk about two Brian K. Vaughn written series, Mystique and Runaways. Uh, then we are going to talk about single issues of Wolverine and Emma Frost. Instead of that, yep. you would like to spend two hours talking. No, no, uh, scratch that. 18 hours talking about <laughs> Cerebus, the first two issues. Do I have that right? Uh, three issues. So, yeah, that's what I've okay. so far. No, good. Uh, that explains yeah, why I mean, it's I'd love hours. to talk about a comic I've, I'd never heard of before, like, You never heard of ago? Cerebus? Oh, man. You know what? Here's, know here's what, what's going to happen. What is this big comic? Like, Next what, time what, Extra Issues here? comes around. Okay, he, he, here's uh, a... <laughs> Cerebus is so big, I just read a quote where Alan Moore said, uh, Cerebus is to comics what hydrogen is to the periodic table. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it was a big deal <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Um, yeah, with Charlotte, don't this. listen to anything Dave said earlier. I'm going to pitch it to you uh, for extra issues, and we'll we'll read all 300 issues for extra issues. Would, that oh, would be man. fascinating. I would actually. I would listen to that. Yeah. I would listen to those episodes, no questions asked. I do Charlotte, not listen like, to comics podcasts anymore, blind, yeah. but man, would I listen to those? You don't even listen to our comic podcast. Oh, right. I don't like oh. comics podcasts. <laughs> I know. I mean, me neither. <laughs> fair. fair enough. Anyway, all uh, right. I used to jokes, listen to us all the time when we over. started. I was like, it was such a thrill to just kind of hear like 
like the fact that we were recording things Zach, like in the early mm-hmm. days Zach, you know and it yeah. was like wow we did it and like it sounds you know like like publishable mm-hmm. um like that yeah. was exciting and and that thrill is so far gone we are oh, an old yeah, married dead. couple yeah, with our, our little girl <laughs> these days and you know just like <laughs> i mean honestly i just i did basically stop listening to the show once i joined the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh yeah that's like yeah, you lost the listener, but you gained a host. <laughs> I will still, I will jump in sometimes to listen to episodes. Um, with the when it's just the two of you, to yeah, hear what same. you said. Yeah, I listen to when it's the two of you most of the time. Yeah, unless it's uh, but I will. I do want to point out that excludes the X Men Two um, celebration that you you both did. I just couldn't bring myself to <laughs> to listen to, was, to a full hour of both of you saying what I already know to be true. It was half WrestleMania. WrestleMania. <laughs> half WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, I like that Dave. I told Dave that we ended with some wrestling talk. So he wrote the description and he was like, Charlotte and Zach talk about X2 and wrestling, question mark? <laughs> yeah. Or I guess some wrestling. Um, I, was, anyway, I was unaware let's of this phase wrestling of also. I'd rather... Yeah, it. I love that we've been talking for five minutes now, and we're still, well. To, <laughs> we to be fair, we only read eleven issues comics. of comics, so we don't have that. Yeah, much. thank heavens! What a great, what a great slate up. Okay, here, here, let well, me let me listen, lay. I... Oh, sorry, Charlotte, come on, please. Oh no, I, I mean, I, I like, I decided to to do some homework and read the f- read the full six issues of uh, our first six issues of, of Emma Frost because I was. Ooh, I did too. I like actually. it. First issue <laughs> I like definitely it. doesn't tell the whole story. That's so funny. Yes. I, I did too. <laughs> I yeah. actually, I went beyond with that one as well. Uh, Guess I what? Don't know Guess what? I, I read have, extra Emma Frost too. Oh, we wow. all did. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it, surprisingly, homework. if you had asked me when we started this, like which of the four would I want to defend the most? It definitely, I would not have guessed Emma Frost. <laughs> okay, okay. L- let's go around yeah. the circle, Zach. Let's go around the circle. You first. Rank them okay. from four to one. Who you got? Um. Ooh. Oh, you know, it's a little tough between. I'll say. I've read Runaways a few times before, so that definitely took it down in my estimation. Yes. But it would probably still be like Runaways, Emma Frost, Wolverine, Mystique. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Charlotte, what do you got? I mean, Runaways is definitely number one. Um, number that... number one, your favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, then f- <laughs> no, Dave. In France, w- they they number one means the last <laughs> thing that they like. <laughs> well, because you went you went four three two one right. I guess that's true. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, my favorite one is Runaways. Then, I mean, Wolverine and Emma Frost basically are both number two and Mystic number three, I, I guess. Oh, okay. But, like, okay. honestly, like, I like Runaways and I don't care about the three others. Like, the three others are basically all on the same level. Too. Oh, interesting. Okay. See, I kind of like I'm actually with Zach too. on this one because because familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah, I'm certain yeah. it's just over familiarity with Runaways. I was the most out on that reread. Did very little for me, but it's also like like Runaways is a book. Let's start with Runaways. It is a book that is pretty reliant on a twist, mm-hmm. and it's pretty reliant on the shock of something new. My favorite thing, and the thing that I think is to be most celebrated about Runaways by Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfona and creative collaborators. Is it adds something legitimately new to the Marvel Comics universe, yeah. and it does it really flipping well. That is rare. That is rare here in 2003. Now, we are in an era where that's going to happen a little bit here and there, right? We're getting our ecstatics. We're getting our century. We're going to talk, uh, you know, the crew, truth, red, white, and black. 
Sentinel. There's, there's an interest, at least, in maybe adding some new things, but that is not something that is necessarily consistent throughout the decades of Marvel. Uh, and Runaways is one of the most successful new launches. And it's also like, like just read that first issue again and imagine picking it up in 2003 and being like, hey, do I want to read this uh, apparently 23 pages of teenagers who just kind of don't like e- each other and don't have any powers? You know, like tough sell, tough sell. And it brings it together by the end with with a hook that I would say is even better than the Thunderbolts Baron Zemo twist, which people adore. Ooh. Um, yeah, that, I was thinking I was thinking of praise. the same thing. I think it's a good comparison. Yeah, I, I think they're both books that are like they become in retrospect. Oh, you got to read this because of the last page. And uh, in this case, it's because the kids go in the catacombs of their they, these kids are all. Uh, they're in uh, what is it California Zach is it, are we middle California Southern California how does this work I don't any idea I don't remember uh, where Mal- where's Malibu? I, Malibu I think they're in Malibu aren't yeah. they I have no idea where that is oh come on west coast best coast <laughs> I don't know Give me some geography uh, Malibu anyway. is in don't in look it up it's <laughs> <laughs> boring I have, so, well, I have no idea <laughs> They are in Malibu, and they're in a mansion, and their parents are getting together like once a year, and the reveal here is they all learn that their parents are actually a supervillain group called the Pride, and they witness them murder a young woman um, as like a sacrifice. Murder's strong. Like, they ritually sacrifice somebody, but like... You're right. You're right. I I should... I definitely should have been more cognizant of my language. (laughs) <laughs> around ritual sacrifice. Uh, but yeah, so like that's the twist. That's the hook. And it's really good. It's it's a smart premise. Um, and then it sets up, you know, the literal runaways of these kids who now know their parents are murderers and have to try to resolve that. Charlotte, since you love it, let's stay on that kick. What, <laughs> what do you love about this book? <laughs> I mean, listen. So here's the thing. I've read all, all Runaways comics up to 2015, I think. Okay. Like a few years ago. Um, and I remembered the initial run of Brand K. Vaughan being underwhelming, I guess. Or oh. like, n- like I-, I remember feeling the potential of it, but being disappointed by the actual execution. Um, so I was expecting to reread this and be like, okay, this is fine, but I know it's going to get better. I-, I do think that's still true. But like you said, it's, it's extremely refreshing to have a f- completely new team in the Marvel Universe, or like new characters that are like like there's references to the Avengers and Doctor Doom, but outside of that it's entirely new, it isn't tied to pre-existing characters at all they're not legacy characters, they're not secondary characters that become superheroes, like they're just their own thing that happened to, to exist inside of the Marvel Universe, which is when was the last time we saw that? Like, right. um, and like full six first issues without any cameo from, from other superheroes, like when when has that ever happened? Um, even Sentinel is like based on pre-existing X-Men mythos. Mythos. Um, so like that's great, and I think like I get what you mean about it being relying on it, reliance on its twist, um, which is say that like their parents are are supervillains. I don't know how. I don't know. Like I think it still works. Like I've read this twice, knowing what what the twist is, mm-hmm. and I think like it's not that reliant on the twist because it happens so soon, and then it's like okay, now we take the time to to see their reaction to it. I think the re- the kids' reaction to to the twist is more interest more important than the twist itself. I don't think it's a comic that's like relying on shocking the the reader or like do like surprising the reader. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's super fun. I think. Um, did Brian K. Bone write Emma Frost? Or, no, that was some, someone else. No, right? that's not BKV. But he, he does Mystique no, okay. here. And uh, he also writes a Hood miniseries around this time. Okay. So it, it definitely a creator who is interested in. And we read that Chamber mini. Like he's taking yeah. off the beaten path comics, right? And uh, and he's he's not writing the big guns, but he's he's trying to do interesting things with comics that are less well known. And this is still like we're still pre um, superstar Brian K. Vaughan, right? Yeah. At this point, uh, as a writer, you know, starting in two thousand five, basically, it's an unbroken string of like Eisner nominations, more or less. Like Ex Machina starts them. in two thousand four, which is I think I think that's the first big like big hit. And I was just going to look up did, when, oh, when no, does Why the started Last in Man actually start? So why, so why technically started? has yeah. started, okay? Oh, wow. But okay. It, it definitely has not probably broken out quite, you know, in superstar yeah. standum, yeah. Um, in superstar status yet. So we're, we're on the cusp of that. It's about to happen. Runaways is definitely a part of that, you know? And I, and I do also, like, listen, I'll have critiques here of Vaughn for sure. Um, but I definitely want to give credit to a creator who, like, makes their bones at Marvel basically on a creator own book. Like that is that is not usually the path. You know, usually the path is somebody comes in and achieves superstar status because they write an amazing known franchise. Right? You know, if you look at like the the late two thousands or the mid two thousands, we see Brubaker and Bendis and Fraction and Hickman and Rick Remender and all these players, right? They don't get to do <laughs> like their own thing as part of their rise to superstardom, Vaughn does that. That's pretty cool. Not everybody gets to do that. Um, and, and I think that's to be celebrated as well. Uh, okay. So Runaways is is a runaway success. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> he pa- he paused for applause he there. Oh, my God. I actually, no, I'm, it's, it's I'm like actually waiting for applause and a period. And <laughs> it's like the, the No Way Home uh, school of, of a drama. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I wait for the laugh track. Zach will put it in. Thank you very much, Zach. And uh, and it is, what's funny is you could just use laughter from you know yourselves, mm-hmm. um, and how often you're laughing at my own jokes. Oh, but that you would actually be, just that put in like a hard. like a that'd friends hard, sitcom yeah. laugh track. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, that'll be way much easier to handle than laughing myself. Than trying to find the two of you actually laughing at something <laughs> I said. Yeah, <laughs> Zach, reading this mm. again sounds like you didn't love it. Did you uh, used okay. to love it, and now you don't? Like, where are you at? No, I, I never love, like, I never love this, but, like, it's always a fun time. Like, I, I think this comic's good enough. Like, uh, yeah, I've never been over the moon about it, like some people have been, but, uh, I mean, it's just a little simple, but, like, it does feel fresh. It's, like, fresh, and it's fun. I've read this, this is the third time, I think, and, like, I wasn't miserable rereading this. Um, I do get the feeling with this where I'm like, this is a really fun idea. I can't wait till someone else takes it away from Brian K. Vaughn. Kind of like... A, really, a little, though? A, does what? Does somebody? Well, I mean, yeah. Like, oh, I don't know. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't actually read past this. So I've never read past his run. I think I've read this full, like, first 18 issues in the past. But um, I know Rainbow Roll takes it for a while, right? Like, yeah. does a big run that people like. Uh, that modern is run is, there are stuff that I like. Um, yeah. quite a bit in that so all right so let's, no, let's i'm not saying i know of... that someone takes it i'm just saying it's kind of like when we read um brian michael miles. bendis ma- yeah. making miles morales where i was like okay good like this is good stuff i'm okay. excited for someone else to take it and run with it because i brian k vaughn uh, here's the thing the man drives me insane um i was so primed to have a good time with these comics last night i was <laughs> like 
I was two very liquor heavy Cosmos deep last night. I, I was pretty. <laughs> we were we were watching soccer. I was making Cosmos, uh, <laughs> and I was pretty drunk. Uh, I sat down to read these, and Myst- Runaways did not get me mad often. But Mystique had me like literally going like, oh, fuck off, like multiple <laughs> times. Like I was so yeah. pissed at this comic. Like it's so he's so annoying in these books. He's so show offy. He's so like, look at me. I love Star Wars. Like I can quote Star Wars and I can quote Star Trek. And like I know pop culture references. Ugh, it's so annoying. It drives- this is the this Ugh. is the uh, pop culture overdose phase. Yeah. Of the BKV experience. Um, I think reading it as an increasingly cynical older person is the wrong time <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, be, and, you to know, be entering like, these comics. To, to be fair, there are you know, there are people who read Ready Player One and are not like horrified. <laughs> right? And same with this kind of stuff. Well it's uh, not that. It's not it, that. Like he's not it's not like reference nostalgia porn. In terms of the story, uh, it's a little. In terms bit. of the like, narrative, well, no, it's I mean, just, it, it's he, literal dialogue text. He also, I mean, he it's... makes he makes all these characters his like every character sounds so similar in that they're all like they're all really cool people Annoying. who are into really cool pop culture things, and even you know, like Mystique is doing all kinds of like nerd quote stuff. Like it's a little, yeah. You, you I just feel like you can feel the like nerd cred flex behind i think it's you know this this is like my kryptonite right so a lot of people will listen to this and be like i don't know what's the problem i mean yeah honestly i didn't even notice notice that there were that many like pop culture references or or anything i just like the the main thing i noticed is that every character is kind of grating at least any every protagonist (laughs) is supposed to be kind of annoying yeah um which like works i mean kind of works when they're all teenagers although the problem is that they're kind of all annoying in the same way with mystique it's like she's like 80 why why is she like a 15 year old (laughs) yeah the mystique stuff is especially annoying with with runaways maybe it doesn't bug me quite as much because again yeah it is it is like teenager like when the teenagers are talking about like having watched the prisoner right and it's clearly just kind of like a oh yeah I i like this cool old thing yeah well teenagers do that so like but when mystique does it it's <laughs> it's extremely annoying it's like it's like you've been married like, to the same woman for a hundred years what are you talking about why are you acting like you're 14 <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i was thinking like it's only six issues for for that we read of runaways i do think like the individual voices of the main characters aren't quite there yet like they're not different enough for, from each other except maybe alex and nico and even then it's like I think Chase. They're like they have different styles and aesthetics, but in their actual character and personalities, they are, they all kind of meld together mm-hmm. for the most part. I agree. Um, yeah. But but I I know that's like something that gets better over time. But just that first arc, I feel like it's more focused on the like initial story of of they learn what they learn about their parents and set off on their own more than it is interested in developing their actual personalities as a result of that. I had it, forgotten uh, how decompressed the first six issues yeah. actually yeah, oh, very are, much so yeah um where they they learn about the murder because in my memory they pretty quickly become the runaways living on their own it actually takes yeah. all six issues to get to that point because it is a very decompressed exploration of okay what do we do now and they try to call the police and the police don't believe them and then the parents find out and they're fighting their own parents for a while like like this whole first arc is 
kids versus parents, right? And this is, I mean, Brian K. Vaughn stuff is usually not in any way subtle about what he's working through. Um, and I think that that is a big part of the success, frankly. Um, but Runaways is very much like, you know, anger and angst with your parents, with the previous generations, right? I mean, ending six with the Who lyric, I hope I die before I get old, you know, and just kind of the how cool that feels to say when you're 18 and how sad it feels to say when you're 35, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's very transparent and it's on the page. Um, and it's not ineffective, I think, yeah. you know, yeah, it it's not ineffective. And these characters, you know, so we got Alex Wilder, Gertrude Yorks, Carolina Dean, Chase Stein, Molly Hayes, Nico Minoru. These are characters with staying power, generally speaking. Um, they all kind of have a carved out sort of cliche uh, breakfast club, you know, feel that they're fitting into. But then they kind of become their own thing within that. I don't think it happens here in the first six issues, but over the course of these first 18, uh, yeah. I, I think it begins to. Um, I mean, he, he's do, working with archetypes for sure, both yeah. in both in like their, you know, like you said, breakfast club, which, you know, which teenager slot they fit into. Um, but yeah. also which like, you know, I... I I think it works okay, even though it's very obvious, but, like, it's kind of fun uh, in the way that, like, each of their parents is a very distinct type of, like, archetypical villain. You know, you have, like, the occult parents, like, the Doctor Strange-ish parents. You have the uh, hyper-scientists, and you've got the ninja assassins, and, like, each one has their own gimmick, and then that influences, like, what powers or, um, you know, like, tech that the kids get. Um, and it's fun. Like, and some of those are really, some of them are surprising, right? The, I, I don't remember their names, but the one who gets the, uh, the Velociraptor <laughs> as a sidekick. Yeah, I guess uh, should, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's a great idea. That's really cute and fun. And it's a great and, cliffhanger as well. Like, like mm-hmm. those first two issues ending with a ritual sacrifice discovery and then a dinosaur popping out of a closet. Like, those are good <laughs> last page turns. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, so like, again, this is all good setup stuff that I'm like excited for someone with, and I like some later Brian K. Vaughn stuff quite a bit. Uh, so, like, just at this time, he's got really good ideas, and his uh, like authorial voice is too grating for me to really get into. Do you it. not? Do you not like Why the Last Man either? I. It's kind of like this, where I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Like, I like it enough, and I can read it, and I've enjoyed it to a degree. But like every year that goes by, it becomes more <laughs> annoying to me. See, yeah, I mean, I, see, I love that. It's rated very highly, but I read I, it well, in yeah, my early twenties. <laughs> yeah, the Comic Book Herald uh, article of explaining every pop culture reference and why the last man. I lost my mind when I found that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I shared it with you. I don't I, think I, I don't well, hide when it. When I dug that um, out of your uh, your vault, your secret diary. <laughs> listen, when you're trying to make a name for yourself, 2013 comics blogosphere. No, I I get it. You do like, some I'm, weird things. You do yeah, some weird things like in your 20s. I mean, that's when I first read Why the Last Man. I think I had. That's one of those articles that, like, I started and I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I'll put this out there. And then, you know, 25% into it, it's like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> but then it's like, I'm so deep into it that I just finished it anyway. I, I have um, them all, like, in hardcover on my shelf. And I wouldn't if I, like, hated it. Uh, I would have gotten Yeah. Them. So, they're, so they're I mean, I, I just want to say, like, like yeah, I have Why yeah. the Last Man in my top, you know, probably 25 of all time. Yeah. I crazy. like Pride of Baghdad crazy. a lot. Um, Saga is obviously incredibly yeah, popular and successful. Yeah. I think yeah. that's I think that's the work of Vaughn's that holds up the best right now, certainly because it's, we're the we're in it, um, and it is a, a more mature writer 
you know? I, mm-hmm. I just think yeah, very right. stated in very obvious terms. Um, Charlotte, do you have a favorite BKV or where are you at? I mean, Saga is Saga. the boring answer, but it's yeah. the right answer, yeah. I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's nothing yeah, wrong I with mean, that. I mean, I still like, even though I like, I... I don't know I still really like Runaways. Like it's yeah. my favorite. I mean, it's by far my favorite Marvel work of his. I think. I don't think there's much like competition there. Um, yeah, I mean, I I like Runaways. I the first time I read Runaways, I was like exactly the right age for it. I, mean, I must have been like sixteen or seventeen. Um, mm. so like yeah, that's that's the age you read Runaways, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, like it's weird. I don't know it felt. It felt like I was too young to read it the last time I read it, or like the first time I read it, and now I feel too old, which mm. is which is weird. Like, it, <laughs> it, it, I mean, I don't know. It yeah. fe- I feel like I'm both too old to fully appreciate it, and like too young to appreciate Brian K. Vaughan because he's like he's kind of old man writing teenagers. Um, yeah, in, in you, get, some ways. you get that feel quite a bit, which is funny because I don't think he was that old <laughs> at the time yeah yeah it must have been uh, but like just adult writing kids yeah um, yeah i don't know how old he was exactly i think the i think the like, advantage if, like i'm 23 and if i were to write 16 year old kids like I, i'm sure it would also feel yeah like, he was 26 like time yeah yeah i i, I don't think it read the way you're describing it though like i don't think it reads like mark wade writing champions where it's like yeah it's not as bad as that a genuinely older person who doesn't understand because I yeah. I don't know that there's like a lot of like cringe lingo necessarily. In um, Mystique, to me there. it's <laughs> In Mystique, In Mystique, yeah. yeah, yeah. Weirdly enough, um, but yeah. actually with the teenagers, they they actually you know they do kind of talk samey, and yes, I think that sort of nerd pop culture referencing, trying to win you know win a, a reference war that no one is playing stuff is is applicable. You know that Zach pointed out, um, but I I don't necessarily read this and think like. Oh man, it's somebody. It's an older person who doesn't understand what the kids are like. I think that's where actually Vaughn, being wherever he's at in his career at this point, um, there's a maturity in terms of just the trying to work things out with your parents that you don't have if you are 16, you know, and you understand the language or whatever, or even yeah. just like getting a younger early 20s writer to do this book. Um, I, I think that piece, and that's the core of Runaways, that actually matters. Uh, and the and these characters do like. They become, I would say, increasingly likable as the series goes on, or the other way, if it's supposed to be the other way, you know? Uh, but, I mean, there's a lot of... Like, Nico is a really interesting character. Um, yeah, I Caroline mean, Nico's in Midnight get, Suns, getting... and um, it's so cool yeah, having her And she's cool as hell, yeah. Yeah, she's so cool yeah. in that game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, the fact that they've these characters have had legacies, I think, is, is awesome. Uh, yeah. I don't know that we're going to read a heck of a lot more of Runaways, actually. Like, I, I kind of feel like, listen, if you... Oh, I guess I do have it on the list um, for us reading the conclusion for next year. Okay, so we'll, t- we'll talk about the conclusion. Okay. I do want to also give some flowers here to Adrian Alfona, um, to the artist. Like, what a remarkable Marvel Comics career to have designed the Runaways and all the success that that has had. And just, like, pretty cool designs. And then to basically go on and design the world of Kamala Khan with uh with G Willow Wilson like a decade later <laughs> like, uh, like yeah. pretty what? remarkable yeah, new that, entries I, in the Marvel canon I don't think I knew comic. that but as soon as you said that I was like oh yeah same artist of course yeah yeah, huh. yeah. and like well, I have quite the evolution because like, I'm not in love with the art from Runaways but yeah like, me neither the art from Ms. Marvel <laughs> yeah same is, I love that <laughs> it so, feels yeah. underbaked I think a lot of times actually yeah. Yeah. um there's some stuff that I like in Alphona's pen that I I think you see more in Miss Marvel where like like faces are like buoyant. Like when Chase gets punched by his dad, um, his face like is like melting 
onto his fist um and just kind of the i wish it was more angle like of that. that like a little it, more it kind uh, of caricature and kind of over the top yeah like it kind of feels like it's it's got like a few toes dipped into that pool for the most part but it's yeah. like it's not there enough to be like scrappy and that loose all the time so it kind of falls into like a weird uncanny like people's faces are just too big and their smiles are too insane and their eyes like their eyes it's need got to be some uh two some weird smiles and mouths yeah. which and, i yeah i always I, hate when zach points that out but i actually noticed it <laughs> reading this i mean i think like by the time ms marvel hits like he's fully in control of yeah. the weirdness yeah, in yeah, a way yeah, yeah. whereas yeah. here just looks kind of off and, and uncanny in some ways yeah some weird smiles some weird faces but that like that's that's okay and i think yeah i'm I, I never would have made the connection. Like, the, those two art styles look mm. so different in my mind, and yet, like, I can see that they're the same artist, but, yeah, it's kind of an uncanny valley there. Yeah. Well, it and is. I not, mean, artists, totally artists 10 years later can evolve a lot. Yeah, You know, absolutely. we see this all the time, um, mm-hmm. yeah. where it's, like, shocking that it's like, oh, Greg Capullo was doing Quasar in the early 90s? You know, the Batman guy? It's like, yeah, that was 20 years later. You know? Yeah. So that's yeah. a lot of reps. It's a lot of work. Um, and artists generally, you know, within a within some limitations, you know, do tend to evolve and improve. Um, okay. Any final runaways thoughts before we jump to mystique? Uh, no, I mean, just like good. Yeah. Good groundwork for these characters. Fun, fun comic. Uh, I actually covered this for a bonus episode. I've already talked about this on a podcast with a, a guest a while ago. So I think that's on our Patreon free feed. It's uh, it's open to the, this public. was a comic that they, that a patron mm-hmm. requested. Yep. Yeah. It, I mean, and that, one of the that things was over actually... on patreon.com slash my marvelous year. Yeah, Do I have that right? Yeah, that, that's correct, Dave. That's okay. a it's a good place for people to go if they want to support us monetarily. Um, I I think actually that kind of points out this was um, one of our younger members who I think was like nineteen twenty at the time when we recorded. Uh, Matt, longtime Slack member, um, and uh, and and kind of points out that like the influence of this series on teen readers like can't be understated. Uh, yeah. I think like and Charlotte saying like you know she read this when she was a teen. Like the yeah. comic, I think the comic is really popular with young people, and I think like for Marvel fans, uh, get, it's also a great like first because it's so in its own little pocket universe. Like you can really hand this to anyone, and I I think like I guess it starts with the Avengers. I was gonna say like <laughs> would people even know it's connected to the Marvel universe? But I guess it does start like with them playing with Avengers toys, um, and a and a, a hard game. R slur. Which oh yeah, <laughs> stop yeah. saying hard R slur. Two thousand and three. <laughs> can't say that it's not the hard art i guess that um, means something else i genuinely was not thinking that yeah you know you're right oh it's no a, i thought you were making the. there was just this clip that was going around that's so funny of these two white guy podcasters talking and one of them is um one of them's talking about how he's like man t- tv was so different like a decade ago i was just watching american dad and they were just using the hard r all over the place and his co-host <laughs> was like oh yeah wow that's crazy and he's like, yeah, I mean, it was a different time. You know, I used to use the hard R a bunch. Oh, but no. I know better oh, than no. that now. And, like, you see his co-host's face just fall. Like, oh, my God, are you getting, like, this whole show shut down? And the guy's casually talking about <laughs> using the hard R. <laughs> and we then are, he's now, like, and then he realizes. What this fool, yeah, yeah, what this fool and myself are referring to is the R word used to describe. The ableist um, slur, right? Ableist like, slur. Thank yes, you. Right. Which, uh, which, like, <laughs> that. that's a tough page one. And BKV, like, quickly tries to, like do a version of walking it back anyway no it's, it's the, there the, it's the on walking the page it, back it sucks is 
still a joke to where he gets to use it's still the a joke. joke. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it, it sucks. Um, and yeah, and it's not the last time Brian K. Vaughan in Runaways is going to use some pretty bad slurs. There's a gender fluid character coming up, and uh, yep, that's that hasn't aged that well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean that, that's it's, it's, it's kind of like the 60s Stanley and Kirby stuff, too, where it's like, hey, you know what teenagers said a lot in 2003? That word. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That sucks. Uh, it also sucks to read it on the page, so it's worth the, critiquing. I mean, it is it is one of the things that like makes why the last man. I think because I, I I think Brian K. Vaughn is a. It, this is gonna sound. This is very rude. <laughs> say, at least in his writing, he comes across as a very like. Uh, I don't know, like not someone who's particularly thoughtful about this kind of stuff. So like, why the last <laughs> man, which has so much Jeez. like gender stuff baked into it, it feels incredibly. It doesn't feel thought out. It doesn't feel like someone who has a lot of interesting thoughts about that stuff it feels like the most like topical uh kind of boring pop culture version of that idea that could be explored in like a really <laughs> nuanced you video. are such a bkv hater oh i really don't like him at this time like he really yeah. frustrates me uh at the time he, he's extremely annoying <laughs> <laughs> to me. I, I can't wait to to for you to listen to the Captain Marvel episode we did we, we did with uh, Dave uh, last week because what you're saying about Brian K. Vaughan is exactly what what we were talking about with uh, with Peter David in Captain Marvel. And okay, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought yeah. that up because <laughs> I have two thoughts on that. The first is it was making the rounds this week, um, so this will come out later. But Peter David has a lot of health issues right now, and his family is trying to raise money. They need help. Um, so I did want to call that out if folks are interested and have enjoyed any version of the of the man's comics yeah. over the years. Like that is a current 2023 dilemma that I think is worth seeking out if you are so inclined. Um, and the reason I call that out is like we were hard on the comics, obviously. Yeah. I think it is important <laughs> to point out and reiterate like w- these are not personal digs. Oh, yeah. Brian right? These are not personal slights. These are about man. how their work yeah, yeah, yeah. reads to us. And I think when you're talking about and this is something I think we both, we, you know, all of us uh, work on and, and sometimes get wrong and sometimes get right. But, like, when you're talking about how a creator's thoughts come through in the work, you're talking about the work, but you're also talking about, like, kind of how they view the world. And, and there's, a, there's a blurring of lines, right, For um, sure. that yeah. can happen. And I, I just want to be clear that, like, we're trying to talk about the work, and if we're missing that, um, if Zach's missing at times, that, you mean? <laughs> no, because I I think Charlotte and I like you know like we were hard on those comics last uh, yeah. last time with Peter David. Holmes, I was so. hard. I was very very hard. On I don't think comics. unfairly. I I think they're comics that are worthy yeah, yeah. of critique, and I think that's why that that's those are interesting conversations to have, and I think they're important. Because um, yeah. I I think they're important because I think they push things forward, and it kind of says like okay, like if that doesn't work, like what does right? And it it helps kind of just increase those lines of thinking, and um, I think that's important for us to be able to articulate and understand. Uh, but anyway, with BKV stuff, uh, the second piece of this that I will say is not necessarily that I think you're like way off base, Zach, because I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this is a creator who it clearly evolves and matures on the page, I guess is what I would say. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, this yeah, is somebody who does think about these things and makes effort. But it, it's like it's like we're watching because they're kind of it seems more than a lot of creators because they're so transparent about their topics like that they work through this stuff. You know, like, like for the audience, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that can read very badly retroactively. Uh, I I don't usually think it is very badly, but again, I haven't read the White Last Man, you know, in a decade, so I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I I do think I just want to give credit where it's due. Like, 
I'm not saying this is like a perfectly evolved human, but I do think it's a creator who genuinely tries and makes an effort and gets things gets more things right as they go. I guess is what I would say. Yeah, I yeah. I, I mean, when it's kind of like um, this is the thing in biology you get a lot where people like older professors will nitpick when someone talks about evolution and they're like, you know, uh, so deer saw that there was a lack of you know like berries in the environment so they uh evolved to be able to digest more leaves and it's like well deer didn't evolve it like it happened to them it's a passive process but you like you talk about it like in a first person thing kind of like it you know was a choice almost you yeah kind of prescribe uh like sentience to that decision it's same thing if i'm saying like you know <laughs> if i'm like yeah he doesn't seem intellectually curious when he's writing why the last man i i don't want to really prescribe that to the man like himself of course right like there, there's very few times where <laughs> i'm actually like damning the creator with this and this yeah. is this is not one of them it, it's it's uh he also i mean he's got totally mainstream politics right like at the time it through his comics right like why the last man in ex machina just have like pretty standard straight down the middle like kind of weak 2004 liberal politics uh and you know but they're kind of said smugly <laughs> which is what the like part that's frustrating now to say it's kind of like someone very smugly being like yeah you know what i don't know what this gay marriage thing is about why don't we just separate the government and the church and people gay people can just get a marriage certificate and feeling like they just solved crack the whole thing that's what the yeah. tone of ex machina has <laughs> um which, uh, you know what? I don't even know why we're talking about this because it's not really present in these comics. Uh, because you love talking about it. You bring I it do up every time. <laughs> you bring it up every time <laughs> we talk about it. I know. I'm people. sorry. Yeah. I, I actually, I liked x <laughs> I read it too. It sounds really Oh my gosh. Miserable. Um, I walked it back anyway, immediately. I, I liked Runaways also. Mystique, I hated. I was so mad. Why'd, why, why'd you both hate Mystique so much? Uh, let's talk about that. Looks terrible. Like, uh, the, the art is actually, bad, yeah. the art's okay. Looks terrible? Terrible? The art's okay. Sometimes. I wouldn't say terrible, but it's that that scene where um, it's no Chuck Austin on Electra. Come on, he tries to do the he's doing the little switcheroo where it's like um, this sex worker is breaking into a scientist's uh, or engineer or whatever. Who cares? Uh, Classic their, switcheroo. Their hotel room, and then you're expecting the you know the sex worker to be Mystique in disguise, uh, and then it's the other guy. Like he drops lots of hints. It's it's pretty obvious. Um, the drawing of that girl, her ankle, she, her body is so elongated that her legs are longer than her, like, torso to her head. And then her ankles taper to a single line. <laughs> Did you notice this? <laughs> her ankles get so thin down, down at the bottom that it's basically, like, one line thin. It's so insane. Um, this was the most normal girl. I've, I've seen so many <laughs> girls like this. <laughs> I have met your wife. Her, her ankles are uh, two-dimensional. Her very... legs go from her head to the floor, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's very Rob Liefeld uh, boom boom from uh, It's from worse. Yeah. It's worse yeah. than yeah. that somehow. And then, and then it also just has that, like, it's really embarrassing. The cover, the cover of Mystique number one looks like someone who's never looked at a breast in their life. Um, the breast is extremely strange. <laughs> Everyone go look at that boob. It's really weird. But All it's right, also Dr. like Zach. The, All spray, right. the breast is extremely strange. It's a weird it's, boob. Should be your Twitter, bio, your Twitter bio. <laughs> <laughs> and then every shot of a woman in this is sexualized, whether or not they're just standing in a room having a con like. Gene okay, Gray so just we have talking to Professor X. You 
also yeah, good Jean, at Jean, Jean's using her Omega level abilities to work the camera, and she's never looked sexier. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then, it's pretty absurd. Uh, hang on, hang on. We got two things here. There's okay. two things happening in Marvel Comics right now. 2003, Bill James, uh-huh. presidency, Joe Quesada, editor-in-chief ship. Uh, number one, a lot of books for teens. Mm-hmm. A lot of books for teens, right? Oh, We're actually yeah, kind of. designing right. I, things yeah. for younger audiences, yeah. Sentinel, Runaways, Emma Frost as a teen. Uh, new stuff, too, you know, that's coming in. Like you talked about, you could hand this to a teen with Runaways. That is significant. That is really significant. It's something that Marvel still struggles with to actually be able to hand books to younger readers. And, uh, and like, you know, how many books would we look back on through the 80s and 90s and be like, yeah, that's a nice collection you can hand to a young reader, you know? Um, so I think in some ways credit there. But then the second piece of it, which kind of diminishes some of the credit in a lot of cases, hypersexualization of Marvel, um, especially on – it's like you get, like, women-led books all of a sudden, which is new for Marvel, which is good. But they are so hypersexualized on the covers, at least, mm-hmm. that it's like, is it actually good? <laughs> like, did we immediately undo the the positivity of that um, by by how we're trying to sell these? It's incredibly transparent. Obviously, the Emma Frost books are even worse than the Mystique books because you got the Greg Horn covers, and it's even weirder because it's hypersexualized adult Emma wearing her BDSM Claremont lingerie. And, uh, and, and then the book is like, and here's what she was like when she was 16 and pimply. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, what? To, to the book's this? credit, it doesn't sexualize her in the book too much. A little Not bit, as much but, as the cover would suggest. Yeah. yeah it's but not, the but cover the is still suggesting it. you had to add it. too much. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, like. everything you need to know. Th- there's it's a not, little not bit. It's not not at all. It's... it's not not at all. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not like Mystique where it's one of these things where like Yeah, yeah. Well, and no, you can that, sexualize Mystique. Like like let's be clear, like this is a well, character that can be sexy and can own sure. that and can use and weaponize that and have that be a part of her character. That that alone is not the problem. The problem But it's not even a part of it. Right. Like she she doesn't yeah. do that in the comic at all. Like they keep describing her as a femme fatale in the discussions of the comic and it's like when? <laughs> Actually, God, can you imagine Brian K. Vaughn trying to write, like, a seduction scene. <laughs> like, oh it would just be, I don't know. I mean, it, well, it that's, just I mean, that's be, in here, uh, right? With the, with the agent trying to, to seduce the uh, scientist who turns out to be um, Mystique. Yeah. Who, who is like, yeah, right. I guess you get, I had, to, I had to put it down and take a cold shower. Oh, well, when, I don't know about you. You know, she's like, ew, I kissed a mutant. And Mystique's like, oh, you weren't upset you kissed a girl. I like open minded women. That's, that made me give him a glad award. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> also, especially with Mystique. Like. Gosh, how many glad awards did you both hand out during this? Uh, Charlotte, this is, this oh, is a, I'm sorry, a little bit of a tangent. I was just looking up the glad awards because of uh, Peter David, because he won one in. Yeah, for Shadowstar. Mm-hmm. Um, did yeah. you know that Garth Ennis was nominated one for The Boys in 2008, Charlotte? <laughs> yes, I did oh know that. Oh my god. And... That's so oh funny having just read that. Does it specify, like, what force? No, it must have been that little arc where they, you know, uh, were researching the research. Oh, uh, with Tech Knight? Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I know, isn't that funny? There's okay. no way that's, there's um, no oh, way that's a healthy nomination. Okay, so I, I got it. Without having read it, I can guarantee that is it's, fraught with complication. It's pretty bad. Yep. <laughs> okay, so the, <laughs> the Mystique bad. thing, though, is like, God, that opening scene is one of the worst things I've ever read. Like... Give me like a, a okay. It has it has the worst pun 
two. I think we've I think we've ever read in Marvel comics. <laughs> it's so. Clumsy. I think it's genuinely the worst pun I was so I've mad. ever read. Uh, oh, it, okay. There's an agent fighting whatever a counter agent, and uh, and for some reason they get into a beat like I need stones I debate. need that disc, and she's like, well, what? You can't always get. Or he's like, I want that disc. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you might get what you... And then she knees him in the balls and goes, need. And <laughs> so spells bad. it K-N-E-E-D. Uh-huh. It is... To make that, like, the second page of your book and a big moment, mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, it is absolutely the worst joke. <laughs> and then he, and then he like, all oops it with... Uh, and then he keeps going on the Stones vs. Beatles <laughs> debate. And then being like, I've always been a Beatles more than a Stones girl myself. And, and then, then her name is Prudence on top. And then like, a shot of like, her pulling out a gun and being like, and you know what they say about happiness, which, ugh, God, that is, it's so show-offy. And like so bragging boring. about having listened to the Beatles. <laughs> These are, this is the worst impulse you're talking about here, Zach, when you're talking about like, yeah, you know, pop culture show-offiness. Yes, it's brutal. Okay, let me, let me come in and defend this comic, actually, because both of you clearly don't like it. Yeah. Here's what I like a lot, actually, about Mystique. I really like... That, again, like Chamber, BKV is bouncing off of the Morrison New X-Men and being like, okay, Charles Xavier is out to the world as mutants. We know the Xavier Mansion is full of mutants. That is very much on people's minds. Having a Professor X who's like, okay, I can't just fly the X-Men in everywhere because of the PR ramifications. I need to do spy stuff. How am I going to do spy stuff? And having like counter agents across the world and then recruiting Mystique to do missions for him because she's the perfect spy— that's really cool. Conceptually, I really flipping like that idea. It's a it's a nice take on what Professor X would be doing in this moment that is actually not covered at all in New X-Men by Morrison uh, themselves. So I like that idea a fair amount. I also generally like the animosity between Professor X and Mystique. These are characters who Mystique hates Professor X. And has for a long time, you know? Um, So having the two of them and Professor X kind of blackmailing her into working for him in these spy spheres, again, these are things that are, like, are very accurate to the relationship and kind of experience of these characters, I think. Um, And uh, and I also like Professor X wearing uh, Magneto's costume because he misses him. Literally the only... (laughs) It's literally the only part of this I like is that scene where he... Uh, kind of pretends to be Magneto and just uses his mental powers to like approximate it for the uh, yeah for the the guards that he's trying to knock out. Yeah, that was cool. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. cool. That, that was kind of work. Otherwise, I shrug. I shrug, Dave. Everything you shrug. I shrug. I'm sorry. <laughs> you shrug at this perfect comic. Um... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, like the the idea of Forge and Mystique as like Xavier's special ops team. That's fun. Yeah. In theory. <laughs> But we're they have to have different voices. There has to be something. Like, there's just no vibe to this besides, like, the most... I, I don't know. It, it, <laughs> I, I don't know how to put it, except it's just too comic booky. Uh, Like, it's just that too is, much of a... That is your worst possible criticism. That's what I look it for is. in a comic That's book. not even really correct, because I kind of like it when something is big and silly and comic booky. It's just too... It's bland. I don't know. All this is very bland to me. It's all very, like, uninspired, all very... Just kind of, I mean, it's just all quips, and every character has the same quippy voice, and it, yeah, it, it didn't do like, anything for me. I was I like was... Forge quoting Han Solo. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, yeah, we've all seen Star Wars. Come on. Um, okay, so I, I like that Forge is involved because 
uh, Forge and Mystique have kind of a weird relationship after Destiny dies. Um, weird in that it happened at all, but it is like okay, there's some <laughs> there's some history and continuity to pull from on that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never read the full thing. I mean, I've never I've never continued this through for all eighteen issues. I think I've read like the first six. I've never really wanted to. Um, it's not. It's definitely not a right. So like you know, and we've beat around the bush here. Two thousand three. We're post X Men movie, post X two. Mystique has never been more popular. Mm-hmm. Like this character cool is in huge movies, in those movies. Yeah. She is Magneto's, you know, uh, uh, you know, number two, clearly, right? As, as far as like the villain teams go, so she gets her own solo series. That in and of itself is cool. I mean, the biggest problem is just you don't have a writer that is especially interested in exploring the version of Mystique that we now know to be true, which is so much more interesting. Um, modern interpretations of Mystique are just so much fuller and richer and uh and better <laughs> i mean just in every yeah. which way so i like it conceptually i think if you had somebody who understood the character and, and what she's going to become writing this book it could have been like a secret stealth like all-timer uh instead it's a oh bkv wrote that weird you know and it's just kind of a he doesn't stay on thing. it like it only goes for 24 issues i think and he leaves like i don't know halfway through and sean mckeever takes over yeah um, so I don't know. Maybe when McKeever takes over with like issue fourteen, uh, it picks up. But Sean McKeever's the name. I sounds familiar, but I can't place it. Um, the covers Sandal. get cooler too. Uh, there's actually some pretty cool covers after the first few. Those first few covers are pretty rough. But uh, you're talking about issue five, where she's got her back to the firing wall and has her butt very <laughs> no, prominently. No, uh, scan down popping. to like uh, if you're on the thing like issue nine and stuff, where it's like this slightly photorealistic. Oh, more of a cleavage guy. It's but it's good. Like those are actually kind of sexy uh, compared to and yeah, like issue nine, issue thirteen. Those are cool. I like those okay. ones. Zach likes his women upside down. Heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, all the ones where she's upside <laughs> down. Uh, interesting to me. Interesting. Ooh, that Wolverine one, issue twenty three. Go check that out. Everyone, go re- go look at these. <laughs> Who's Speaking pull over of Wolverine of covers. Wolverine. You should. Look oh at my that. god, it's the best reason to read this. Don't even read the issue. The issue's totally nothing um, stop it stop it's it it's true it's so how boring. dare but you it's god we've read it a million times and it adds nothing new to it but that cover why did you so you were so drunk good. you read this issue a million times <laughs> <laughs> i just kept reading it over and over and going i can't remember I what happened looked at the cover a million times <laughs> cover, thank you, Dan. i mean it, it's it's been memeified to death now it's it's you know a twitter favorite but like man it's so good it's really it's really sexy it's a very sexy cover Speaking. Dave, ex- explain what is explain what's on the cover. Sure, well, we talked about it last time actually. Um, Charlotte, what do you think of Wolverine number six? I mean, I can't disagree with Zach. Like, I feel like I've read it before better. Um, it's just like Curtin and like Nightcrawler and Logan having a discussion about Logan's guilt and and whether he's a monster. Like, it's not that interesting in the execution, and it's I don't like. Part of me is like, yay, Logan and Kurt. Like, it's been a while since I've seen a discussion between those two. I like their relationship. Yeah. Like, I'm glad they're in a comic together. But then the actual issue is kind of nothing. It's it's not interestingly drawn or anything. Like, there's not much added value to it except just I'm glad to see Logan and Kurt together. I mean, certainly, and if you wanted to, in- if you wanted to emphasize like a comic where nothing happens, I mean, it is gen- it is truly just the two of them in a bar, right? Yeah, but like, there's waste. Of making that interesting, yeah, that could that could work. Like, 
Like, in theory, you're telling me, like, oh, there's this really cool issue of just Curtin and Logan talking in a bar for, for like, 20 pages? That sounds fun. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this version of it isn't. Um, but, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> why, why, why'd you do it, Dave? Yeah, why'd I you do this like, episode, I, of the I like ways, this I comic. I you like this comic. comic. Okay. Um, okay. I don't think it's a secret masterpiece. I won't pretend that. But I do like Priest Kurt walking into a stealth mutant bar. To just have a, a classic sit down with Logan, who's feeling incredibly guilty about killing a lot of people. Uh, this is written by Greg Rucka. We got pencils by Derek Robertson, inks by Tom Palmer. I think you're right, both you, in that it's not oh, as yeah. unique oh, or special as you want. Oh, but I think you're right. You're wrong. Get down. You're badly wrong and mistaken <laughs> as usual. Okay, there in we saying go. there's no value here. Uh, I. I think it's been a long time, like a really long time since we've read moments like this, I think. I think it's useful for writers to take a pause in their action and have kind of a celebration of friendship and and kind of the legacy of X-Men that this does. I wish it played more with Nightcrawler's forays into the priesthood and the things that are happening there. Um, I'm not actually, like, I feel like folks are, there are readers who are more into the Greg Rucka era of Wolverine and it just never it, there's no moment for it that has taken off for me um I you know, like I've tried to find inroads into it and I just I'm not into it I don't think and it's you know it's kind of and we talked about Rucka on Electra and all that but like you know definitely a creator where it's like you'd think there'd be more here to chew on uh and I've just never found it so I think it's a nice one-off is it incredibly special no not necessarily um yeah, I mean, it's not, it's it's okay. not bad, definitely. It's just no, like, it's, yeah, just, it's like a, I said, it's, I feel it's like... a fine discussion between, between those two we characters. And like, I agree. I agree that it's been a while since we've seen that kind of story, at least, I mean, overall, but especially for X-Men, which is like, that's at the core of the Clemency era of X-Men, and we haven't seen that in a while. So that, I agree that that feels refreshing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, it's, the discussion is pretty basic and uh, am i bad for having killed people depends did they deserve it uh depends on if you think they deserved it or not damn there there is a moment within that that i really like where wolverine's like i killed 27 people and nightcrawler's like oh bad guys huh and wolverine's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> like kind of shrugs and nightcrawler's like uh okay like i'm trying to understand this tell me more and he you know he calls him out he's like if you like kill 27 innocent people like we need to stop you, and Logan's you know he's hammered and mean, and he's like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna do it, and that Nightcrawler's like, no, but I would die trying. It's a That's good a cool moment. I just moment. I I didn't and buy it. I like Nightcrawler like, a lot. So I, I do that worked of, for me. Yeah. You didn't buy it. What's not to buy? When That's words perfect. on a page tell you something, you, you have to believe them. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I didn't, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it based on the. That's a, That's true to the character. It's not. No, I'm not just saying. Well, Kurt said it, so it's true. That feels like a moment that is true to the character. What, why? Don't you I, buy I just that? think like because Kurt actually—I I don't know. I mean, like it, it's kind of just an aside. Uh, maybe it's not given the weight that it deserves. Like I—I I don't believe that that is. There's an actual threat of that happening, right? Like Kurt's not anywhere near uh, turning into trying to arrest or whatever <laughs> Wolverine. Uh, so I think him just saying that it just kind of feels hollow. Uh, kind of just feels thrown out to me. But I. I 
I think the hollowness is because we know Logan's not. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's that. that's what it is. Yeah, and yeah. it's not actually close to point. needing to be brought down. Um, whereas if you're telling, yeah, I will say I'm looking at the ending again of the of that issue, and I actually like the ending, like just like Logan saying like earlier in the conversation, Kurt compares him to a wolf. And like Logan just says that thing about wolves, I'm not an animal. Like I don't know, that's that feels more subtle, I guess. <laughs> In a way, the the rest of the issue isn't. It's just like a basic question. Yeah. Like that just silence moment of drunk Logan saying he's not an animal. Like I don't know, I, I actually like that. And that final panel of just Logan in the rain. That that end works. Uh, it feels more interesting than the rest of the issue. Um, yeah, overall, I. I it's a fine issue, and like I, I see, I see in it stuff that's been missing from X Men for for a while. Uh, even even like even the Morrison run isn't that focused on like simple connection, sim- simple conversations between between friends. Um, like yeah, I, I like. I well, like there's no that. Nightcrawler, and it's yeah, definitely it's missing from Nightcrawler. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fine. It's okay. Yeah. Um, the fine. cover is the cover is. I'm just cool. saying, if Tom King and Mitch Gerards wrote mm-hmm. this issue. As is right now, people would lose. No, I think Tom King. I mean, Tom King would find something a little bit more. I, I think he would sell it better, as he has in uh, in other books. I think he would like sell the actual like. Uh, I I mean, maybe he would get into the details more. Maybe he'd make it actually more because. Yeah, Wolverine would have yeah, done. We, a we didn't read it killing. too. We, you know, part part of me being slightly hard on this is like you're highlighting this one issue so i'm walking in being like all right here we go wolverine number six something must be big right and reading it out of context you know it's... well that's because I think <laughs> <context is not laughs> right yeah but like so the context maybe isn't that interesting but like some good context could also elevate this too right like if we speaking it... of, yeah, of elevated okay. comics let's talk about emma frost <laughs> right. this is the the origin story of Emma Frost, and again, like kind of like Mystique, but even more so, it's really cool in theory that Emma Frost got a solo series all about her origins purely because the character was really interesting in New X-Men. You know, like that is, I just, I, I've been looking at this and it's like, we're 20 years later, that will not happen now. Like, and I don't know that it can happen now. Emma Frost might get a five-issue miniseries, a limited series. There will not be an Emma Frost ongoing just because the character is a fan favorite in a bigger book okay so i like that 2003 marvel is taking mm-hmm. swings like this it is a swing um like, it's kind of it's kind of one of the biggest it's a swing. Like, compliments i have for it is it genuinely does something that i never would have expected with this character and i don't it's weird i don't know if i care <laughs> but like it like i don't know if i ever would be like i really want to know what emma frost's school days were like i guess it is not um, what I would have picked. But you know what? It kind of does. It does. Who's the writer on this? Uh, it wasn't someone I recognized. Um, Carl yeah, Bowles. I, I don't know the name. Um, I think it's a pretty good job of like this weird teen pressure and this like very like it has a lot of specificity. It kind of reminds me. It's like the opposite of Sentinel, where I thought Sentinel was just so like tropey and so everything that you expect that like her being like the rich girl at a private school, but she's I don't know. She's kind of on the outside for being rich. It, like the the pressure from her dad who's then like sabotaging her like because i read more of this like as it goes on it kind of gets like messier and messier but still keeps like a focus on the it's a little succession-y like her her father i mean spoilers i guess don't stop because of this it doesn't really matter but like she kind of starts getting hot for her teacher um 
which made me feel kind of weird about it, <laughs> like how this was going. But I think it actually landed in a place where it's like, oh, yeah, she just has a crush on her teacher who is being ends up being like kind of responsible. But she goes in to kiss her teacher. And then like the whole thing was arranged by her dad to get her teacher fired to teach her a lesson about like uh, to kind of punish her. Uh, it, it's kind of wild. It goes around yeah. in places. And uh, I think like it takes some weird swings. And I appreciate that. And I think it's done pretty competently. So, but it's also about Emma Frost and that feels disconnected. I don't know. Well, it's, it's also, I mean, it's her development, yeah. her mutant yeah, camp, yeah. right? So it's first days of as a high schooler. And by the end of issue one, it's like her mutant gift is, is starting to appear. Um, if, if I'm picking up an Emma Frost book in 2003 and I see that cover of the white queen garb, I'm expecting a pre dark Phoenix hellfire club, mm-hmm. Emma Frost mm-hmm. book, certainly. So I do think it's a big zig for it to be. Oh no! Actually, it's about her her family and about growing up rich in Boston, and uh, and going to you know these high high expectation charter school with uh, with an incredibly demanding father and learning about her siblings and Christian Frost chiefly. Um, we talked about the teen drama of Sentinel, like you said. There's going to be like Spider Man loves Mary Jane. This is done like reasonably well. It's not. It do, it's it's really just doing you know a slice of life teen drama book i guess is the big thing right like it's not there's no mutant action there's no sentinels in the background i think at one point you see like the x-men pop onto tv to kind of give a sense of like okay they're they're beginning right about now um they're teenagers as well but i mean other than that like it doesn't it doesn't lean into the x-men which is what i want but it's also i respect a book for not doing that because that would be the obvious yeah it just it takes weird zigs like everything you described about the setup feels like it could be very um uh, generic and i actually kind of think it's not i think it takes like like a, it has like specific enough characters that don't feel like they fit cleanly into like the archetypes um that, yeah it kind of it kind of yeah. lands it's weird i did not expect this i did not expect walking away i didn't expect that i'd want to read more than one issue uh and i read a bunch so charlotte what, what do you think yeah, you read I a mean, bunch too it's right? yeah it's uh I mean, it's the it, first of all, it's weird that this is the Emma Frost series, like that it's a teen book, uh, a teen book, <laughs> a teen book, <laughs> um, like, but I, I kind of appreciate it for it, like that it's taking that weird approach to telling the the Emma Frost origin story. Um, I mean, I gotta be honest, the <laughs> even more than even more than Myst- Mystique, like those covers. don't help (laughs) with me like trying to to get invested in the in the comic like when you're doing a an emma frost book with super cheesecake covers yeah like oh yeah oh it's embarrassing it's so embarrassing it's very embarrassing and then it's a teen book inside like yeah that's that's weird marvel that's a weird decision um especially when you're gonna talk about basically like a, a teenager having crush on her her teacher and like that everything that has gonna come from that um, weird, weird Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, but but like trying to look at the the actual series itself. Yeah, it's it's interesting enough. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as Runaways in like being a, a, a teen book and and being interested in that way. Um, it, it's fine. It's fine. Hey, it's can fun I enough. can I throw something out real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Um, all these covers by Greg Horn. What about this? Everyone, any, anyone ever said this before? Greg Horny. Yeah, we. we yeah, you did it literally it's the, the last every yeah, time. Yeah, you ever think of that joke so, before? I bet I'm the first nope. one to say it. I try my best not to. To try my best not to. 
I'm going to use that one later, and I'm going to oh, pretend that I thought damn it. Damn it. <laughs> and I can't stop you. You're, you're half a country away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, shouts to Carl Bowlers for not generally avoiding the kind of what those covers suggest is going to yeah. happen in terms of like a steamy, illicit teacher-student romance. It kind of made me worried um, that it was going to, and then... Setting yeah. like, oh, this is going to get really uncomfortable, and there's going to be a lot of questions about age of consent. And uh, and they avoid this it. This is in Riverdale, and right. and good. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but but you know, I think in that like that's a good thing. But I will say like the Riverdale elements that it's missing are like weird and wild and comic booky mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I used that as a criticism a moment ago. Like this has none of it. This is pure. You know, like elements of Carrie with Emma getting embarrassed at a dance. Um, which like I cannot imagine two girls fighting one of their dresses get torn and she's like sitting there like half naked and the auditorium erupts in laughter <laughs> like, yeah, doesn't that just yeah, seem yeah, like a weird reaction freaky. yeah no i don't know maybe it's just me uh call carl anyway, bowler's uh, I, I i'm think... looking up did a lot of this emma comic um but uh, a series called muties you know this one dave kind of interesting covers uh i guess that was last year 2002 <sighs> um yeah interesting should look that up Dave, you should look that up and read that. Let me know how Still it is. Still in comics. <laughs> Still. Yeah, it. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's more interesting than you'd think. I, I don't yeah, love yeah, the book. Yeah. I think that a lot of a lot of fans who, like, have read the whole thing, like, really go to bat for okay. it. Um, it, is, it is not quite what you think. And honestly, I do really like the ending of this, actually, too. Because, so, like, we begin with Emma as, you know, she's unsure of herself. She's not getting very good grades. Her dad is this like incredibly powerful, rich, abusive, like like emotionally abusive father, and you know she's trying to measure up to brothers and sister and you know all that, and she's you know she's kind of a I guess a wallflower would be the you know the the archetype, um, and then as her mutant ability develops and as this first arc goes, she gets more confident, she becomes her own person, and by the end of it, once she sees how her dad plays and reacts to Christian's attempted suicide. She's like, no, I'm going to make my own way. Like, I'm cutting off your money. I don't need your money. I'm going to make my own money. That is actually an interesting, I think, approach to this character as opposed to like, oh, well, she just inherited a bunch of money and she's been rich all her life. And I don't know. It makes her, it does make her more interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's, again, it's not the story I would have expected to be told, but it, it gives it legs that I didn't think it would have. Agreed. I agree. Speaking of legs, I didn't think they would have. Do we want to talk more about Mystique? <laughs> there you go. No, I think that's going to do it for us. <laughs> this is a weird batch of comics. All right. Um, I'm All pretty, right. It I'm is. pretty excited it about it. Uh, we've got Spider-Man and Bendis. Or, and Bendis. Spider-Man and Brian Michael Bendis. Are, <laughs> we're talking about the two of them. Spider-Man and Daredevil. Old pals. Next episode. Um, Ooh, and some more BKV, yeah, Zach. With a with a Doctor Octopus miniseries, I really love this Doc Ock miniseries. I'm Can't curious wait for Doctor Octopus to start like quoting Conan the Barbarian at me. Oh man, I I could not that Rolling Stones pun. I mean, listen, find me a worse pun in Marvel Comics. My Marvelous Year Club. You know the, that is what the I thing is like. You. There there could be a way you could pull that off if it didn't feel like it was trying to go for like the straight laugh. You know. But it does. It feels like it's just trying to go straight down the middle with it. Um, I feel like you know you could have you could have a comic that does the the big goofball puns. I don't know. I don't know how, <laughs> but like I think you could pull that off in a different context. I'm not 
listen, I'm not anti-pun. You know, clearly, clearly not anti-pun. It's It's that that one pun that's just usage. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. All right. Speaking of brutal, thanks for listening to my marvelous year. Uh, You can support us over on Patreon.com/slash my marvelous year. Next episode will be 2003 Part 5. Like Zach said, all the episodes or all the issues we're going to read are listed in the show notes. Or you can access the full spreadsheet by backing us over at patreon.com. Can I say over on? Here. You can find my stuff at Comic Book oh, Herald. Just, just on patreon.com also. $5 a month gets you six months early access to extra issues. Charlotte and I's side podcast where we're doing... Uh, we should just be wrapping up by the time this episode comes out the entirety of the works of Molly Knox Ostertag and getting ready to jump into our next uh, topic, which at this point, no, Have we're, you we're selected uh, we're, a next topic. So we, we do we an at? episode. We do an episode that just goes up on Patreon where we actually decide uh, in real time. We each pitch three ideas and then we like do an elimination tourney <laughs> to get to winnow it down to one. Okay. So no, so no voting from the from no. The we good we people. take ideas, and, you know, you but then Charlotte and I just kind of bring what we want uh, to the table. But um, yeah. So by by this time, the, depending on the topic, we might do like what we did for the first topic is the last episode of that topic was decided by by yes uh, yes that's right a listener yeah. vote. So depending on the topic, we might do that again. We didn't do that for Molly Knox. Austin and I and Charlotte, you let Zach. You let Cerebus win? <laughs> I, I swear to God, I Cerebus, wasn't there for it, but... Um. Cerebus was in... Like, I was kind of considering pitching it. Because it, it does sound interesting, but it also sounds kind of miserable. It's 300 issues. <laughs> like, oh yeah. And, and it, you know, apparently takes a nose time. I just... There are so many... I will never read all the good I know. I mean, that's, in the world. It's true. Yeah. Try as I might. I haven't read Usagi Yojimbo. <laughs> I'm not going to read I don't need to pick Cerebus. up... <laughs> like... It is it is a pure history comics history uh, yeah. research yeah, yeah. thing if it ever happens for me, um, you know, and it's a significant part of it. Here, but, Charlotte, uh, I'll give you a little hint because we haven't we have, we're about to record uh, or later this week our our pitches. Yeah. One of my pitches is a three hundred issue run. It's a single three hundred issue run. Savage <laughs> Dragon. Huh? Oh boy. Um, yeah, wow. but anyway, that but by the time you hear this, dear listener. We will have decided what our next topic will be. You can find that either by backing us on Patreon and listening to the episode or going to the master spreadsheet that we use for My Marvelous Year also has the extra issues and that will have everything all laid out right there. So it's a good show. Go listen to it. Yes, please. Oh, Kalido. Except for Dave, who doesn't listen to comic book podcasts. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) I don't like comic (laughs) book podcasts. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. See you next year. We'll see you next year. See you next year.